Alright, welcome back everybody to the Faultline Podcast, where the sound effect has got off to a cracking start by the looks of it. Tommy, what's happened here? It was a bit flat. <laughs> the, the, the zero percenter didn't have the oomph of the usual. <laughs> Alright, well I'm Alex Davis and, and this is uh, Faultline number 878. Joining me is Tommy, our esteemed editor. Hi, sorry about that. Flaccid can. It's okay, we, we can forgive. And uh, my colleague Rafi Cohen, who helps me out on Rethink TV. Hello. So uh, Rafi and I have had a busy week. We're about to put out our next uh, uh, forecast, uh, which is on live, over-the-top content security. So that's been a mission. Um, but Tommy, in the fault line world, um, how's it been for you? Yeah, this week it was a bit like waiting for a bus. I mean, there was minimal activity earlier in the week, and then all of a sudden bombarded by buses left right in Chelsea as the week goes on which is great news for Faultline readers because we've got a whopping five interviews for you this week although Rafi now two birds with one stone there so I'm not sure if that counts as cheating or not but um, one of those um, was with the director of data and analytics at Cinemedia that was a really uh, cool in- interview and um, they're super passionate about all things data and they briefed me on the company's new business insights suite called Clarissa, which looks set to be really disruptive across the spectrum of video analytics. And I've described it appropriately as a wolf in sheep's clothing. But um, we give enough airtime to Cinemedia. So I wanted to turn our attention um, for this pod to a company I spoke with this week called iWedia that specializes in middleware or carry on the Android TV theme a bit. And it was um, funny because this interview almost didn't end up making it to publication this week at all because it turns out the um it was the person's first ever time giving a press interview and clearly they'd never heard of the term off the record which um as we know is sacred ground here in this industry so he basically blurted out some things without realizing that everything and anything would be going to press um so anyway we eventually ironed things out here and, and got something published. And um, the, the core question really we were asking is whether iWedia is worried about the arrival of the Google broadcast stack on Technicolor hardware. Because this was the first time that I've spoken with a middleware provider since this was announced last year. So it was interesting to, to hear it from their point of view. And we've highlighted in the past how standardizing the, the functions in the stack reduces the value in deployments for companies like iWedia because operator customers are, are just going to increasingly ask, well, why why am I going to pay you for something when Google offers it for free? And iWedia probably speaks for the, the wider community when it says that operators aren't really going to rush to these standardized, standardized deployments anytime soon because of a few things that uh, boils down to customization, which obviously you can't do in a standardized stack. and uh, the reliability factor that comes with the, the support and maintenance that um, iWedia offers and tells me that Google and, and Technicolor don't offer. Um, and in the case of iWedia, stack is deployed on 40 million devices worldwide, which makes it, it pretty uh, market proof. And it, it stance is simply that uh, every op- operator has a, a customized broadcast network and therefore they won't change it to fit this um, standardized Google broadcast stack. And this is where Arwedia's experience in the systems integration um, scene comes into play, which isn't the sexiest um, sector really by any stretch of the imagination, but it's one that's really increasingly important in the in the fragmented hardware and software uh, 
world that that we're living in and, and my counter argument here really to Iweedia's defenses is that with so much economic uncertain uh, uncertainty at the moment tier two and three operators um they're going to be looking at cost cutting exercises really further down the line and this is going to be one of them i think so if not immediately then then yeah in a few years down the line and um that said on the final note Iweedia did have a pretty solid 2020 as we'd expect from a company in the the video market but it's approaching 2021 with quite a bit of caution as we'd expect because there's there's going to be budget cuts particularly in latin america and asia pacific uh some as much uh, as 50 percent i'm told slashing their budgets which is quite scary and that will have uh, a serious knock-on effect on on um on some companies and we're going to be keeping close tabs on that for our list, listeners and readers and and not just in android tv but across the video landscape and of course um fault line won't shy away from telling you the truth no matter how brutal it sounds now the the news you need to hear <laughs> not not necessarily what you want um so okay, were they were they quite optimistic in general though or is is this the the cliff edge they're looking over okay cool all right, thanks very much, Tommy. Um, we'll move on to our our number two article this week. So, Rafi, uh, Technicolor Hopper tip targeted ads as best shot at fighting churn. This sounds quite topical to something we were working on recently in uh, Rethink yeah. TV. Yeah, so we were doing the Rethink TV forecast on uh, customer journey management, which is a whole, I won't go into defining what that is, but essentially a whole range of term, uh, different technologies for operators to fight churn. And obviously it's quite a boring story now that pay TV operators are constantly battling against subscribers leaving. Um, but what is interesting in that story is like finding out how technology vendors are trying to rebrand themselves as kind of silver bullets against the phenomenon. And um, I spoke to Technicolor and Hopper this week. Um, you've probably heard of Technicolor. Uh, essentially they're trying to reframe their set top as kind of all things to all people. Spoke to Christian Lefebvre, uh, who's the Senior Vice President of Connected Home. And he said they've got pl like all kinds of plans to update their set top, essentially um, 8K, uh, introducing some IoT elements, introducing cloud gaming as uh, the partnership with Google that's set to drop very soon. Um, but the feature of the moment that uh, we came across about a month ago was they're introducing targeted advertising with an Australian startup called Hopper, who were pretty new onto us. Uh, so alongside Christian Arts, I spoke to Cyril Daoud, who's the CEO, and he kind of taught me through who they are and what they do. Uh, essentially, they bridge the gap between digital advertising and network service providers. Um, and they kind of, Hopper's, Hopper has this overlay technology, which essentially is gonna go on all Technicolor set-tops in Europe. Um, and it's gonna take advantage of this large footprint that Technicolor has in Europe with pay TV operators. Um, essentially, what, what they're trying to do is both companies argue that for too long, broadcasters are really the only ones profiting off of advertising and pay TV and the operators should really start getting a slice, especially considering they're facing, you know, mounting churn, mounting uh, revenues, or I should the opposite of mounting really shrinking revenues. Um, and yeah, uh, Cyril said that broadband networks have been a dumb pipe for too long, or have been perceived to be a dumb pipe for too long, and OTTs only really cemented this view. Um, and what essentially people are gonna, our operators are gonna try to implement uh, Hopper's solution straight away to any set-tops they have, which uh, are made by Technicolor. Uh, what Hopper's platform is, is it's called Hopper TV, uh, and it doesn't require any integration with hardware or the UI. It just overlays ads, there's no stitching, uh, they're distributed over your standard broadband network. 
uh, kind of the same way that a Facebook or a social media or display ad uh, is kind of set set on those formats. Uh, it can run video ads, banner ads, or interactive ads, any kind of HTML ad format. Um, and on the back end, Hop is also providing audience segmentation, analytics, and ad sales. Um, and so it's a re- it's a way for essentially any operator that has a Technicolor set top to get involved with overlaying their own ads straight away. Um, Hopper has direct links to advertising agencies and brands, and they're also connected to uh, supply side and demand side platforms, uh, which they kind of use to fill up any orders they don't get from their direct links. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of interesting to hear of a way that you know operators can, you know, obviously that cold cutting is you know is really going to hurt and it's not going to stop. But you know, finding new ways that you can shrink the amount of revenue you're losing is really important. Uh, but one interesting thing I found was that. They're really trying to position this as a partnership with both companies saving operators money. But there's nothing exclusive about this partnership. And it, it turns out that the Hopper technology can just as easily be used on any Android TV, smart TV, or it can easily also be used just direct going straight to OTT platforms. Um, so there's no reason that this also just couldn't be used to fuel, fuel the competition. But overall, Cyril said that he felt, despite core cutting, Pay TV still has the largest footprint for some time, and it's still certainly a worthwhile investment for operators. Got you. Hopper, not to be confused with the the old dish uh, boxes, um, but yeah, okay, that's quite interesting. So yeah, um, I think we'll be keeping our eyes peeled to see if uh, if Hopper nails any other um, CPE providers. Uh, all right, thanks very much, Rafi. So we'll we'll move on. Uh, we flipped a coin to work out which one I was going to blether about, uh, but this week we spotted that. NHL goes AWS, and would Disney turn the BAMTech screw? So this was a bit of um, speculation uh, on on my part. Um, we noticed that the NHL had signed a deal with AWS to create an sort of internal uh, cloud platform for video. So the idea is that it's easier to pull up broadcast the archive footage and analytics that you can then use to sort of improve the the live streams that you're putting out. And, um, of course, when uh, we saw the NHL, we were thinking, well, um, is this a loss then for for BAMTech? And BAMTech might ring a bell for a bunch of you guys because it was the spin-out from Major League Baseball. Uh, An internal project started in 2002 um, that grew to um, become a a very valuable uh, commodity, which Disney ended up buying. Um, Disney took a a billion-dollar stake in 2016, uh, and then it spent another 1.6 billion to take three quarters of the company. Um, and then by 2018, BAMTech had sort of been renamed. It was no longer BAMTech, it was Disney Streaming Services. So so the writing was sort of on the wall there. Um, it had uh, been used to sort of fuel uh, HBO, uh, the MLB, obviously. Um, and moving forward, you could kind of see that um, Disney really just wanted to use BAMTech to power Disney Plus and ESPN Plus and Hulu as well. So the sort of question we have then is, well, if AWS is able to uh, kind of get its foot in the door with a customer like the NHL, could it then use that uh, initial deal to essentially poach the uh, live streaming and over-the-top apps? Um, And would Disney put up much of a struggle uh, considering that it's sort of external customers, which are still the MLB, uh, Major League Soccer in the US, used to be the NHL, well, still is the NHL, but there's the big question. Uh, HBO, PGA Tour, 
Eurosport and then the Disney suite, is it going to bother um, sort of trying to retain those external clients or is it just going to use Disney streaming services as like an internal uh, vehicle to sort of fuel its Disney Plus expansion? So uh, we were sort of poking around. We, we found out that there's a, another company called Endeavor, uh, which has a stake in the UFC. So Endeavor, some of you might remember, is the firm that bought New Lion, which was a sort of streaming over-the-top analytics type uh, in, our, in our sort of video circle for a while. Uh, that was snapped up for $250 million uh, back in 2018. And then sort of moving forward and, and looking for other names, we also found out that there's Overtier, which is the uh, sort of UK firm that powers the NFL's International Game Pass service. Uh, it was founded in 2017. It won the European contract for Game Pass in 2017. And then it pushed out uh, DAZN, uh, to take the whole the whole package um, in sort of 2019. So there's there's a few names at play, and we're just wondering if um, AWS is sort of lining itself up to either expand Prime via these sort of cushy deals to include stuff like the NHL uh, in Prime, or whether it, it fancies sort of competing head to head with uh, what BamTech used to be, uh, even if that's not necessarily what BamTech is uh, moving forward. So. That's uh, the end of the, the long form uh, stuff for now. Uh, we'll move to the, the worth noting section. And uh, as is custom, uh, Rafi, five years ago, uh, what was happening? Uh, five years ago this week, the FCC tried to wipe out the set-top as we knew it. Uh, this was because kind of when it came to innovation, pay TV operators hadn't really done anything exciting for the past 30 years. And the uh, FCC felt it was time to give device makers a chance. Um, they proposed a rather apologetic rulemaking, uh, and if kind of if it went through, it would turn US set tops into retail devices, which were bought based on consumer preferences uh, such as UI or potentially non-MVPD content relationships. Uh, however, this meant operators lost control over their own UI, and this was a pill that really seemed too hard to swallow. But the FCC was well aware of this uh, and was encouraging input from operators all too aware that previous similar initiatives have been met with much backlash. Uh, these are things like Allvid, which required an extra device in the home, and CableCard, which was sabotaged by the top five operators who refused to implement it. Yep, that would have been carnage. Uh, it, was, it was quite exciting at the time. Um, but no, I'm, I'm sure Tommy's uh, had a bunch of uh, interviews which expressed a joy uh, at that decision changing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sweet. So, Tommy, any other highlights in our worth noting? Um, yeah, we, we've had a bit of a hold the press moment in worth noting this week because Nielsen has just launched something that we really like the sound Ooh. of, which Faultline regulars will know is unheard of. It's based on the, the grace note part of Nielsen, which, um, which goes some way to explaining why we like it. But um, it's a new video analytics suite to address diversity and inclusion in TV and uh, uh, promises to deliver visibility into race, ethnicity, gender, and sexual orientation, which I think we can all agree is something that's needed and welcomed in media and entertainment. But whether it works or not is another matter entirely. Yeah, we we were fairly big fans of Grace Note, I think. So, um, I well, really are they are they measuring the the people that are on the programs essentially? Uh, both uh, the actors, um, the talent on the on the on the TV, and the audience. Mm. Yeah. yeah, a way to uh, yeah um, upsell your your ad slots um, essentially. I think mm, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's the crux of it. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, stretch, well, it's, it could be a bit uncomfortable, like the uh, the the rainbow logos you get 
And if you search the the companies by region, you spot which regions don't turn their um their logos into rainbow colors. And uh, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, slight slightly uncomfortable there, but that kettle of fish. Yeah. Um. So okay, right. Nielsen are um surprising us. Um. And then one other thing, just touching on the whole podcasting thing, because that's where we are now. iHeartMedia, which is one of the biggest podcasting networks, um. That is uh, apparently got enough enough money in the bank to buy uh, Triton Digital for two hundred and thirty million dollars uh, from EW Scripts. So again, like audio in and sort of over the top audio, um, you've got some nice parallels to video, and it's just something that is interesting to track. So there we are. That was Fault Line eight hundred and seventy eight. Thanks, chaps. Um, next week, Tommy, have you got anything to tease? Oh my god, I'm very excited for something that's coming out next week. I've got an interview booked in with one of the most highly regarded TV engineering executives out there, a, a tier one uh, global operator. So that's pretty massive. I don't know if the whole shebang is going to be off the record or whether we'll be able to publish anything juicy from it or talk about it on the pod because that's just the way things are with the with the big dogs, unfortunately. But um, actually looking at the calendar that's not until next friday so either way that'll roll into the following week's issue so it isn't really next week so. <laughs> well fingers crossed and if you're interested in a fault line trial please head to rethinkresearch.biz you'll find us there um as i mentioned at the top uh rafi and i've just put out the latest rethink tv uh report so you can head over and, and look for the exact summaries that that might have come out by the time that the podcast drops but if not keep your eyes peeled um and yeah if you can leave us a, a rating on your podcasting apps and we will catch you next week cheers then bye